everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 533. Today we're going to take a look at Star Trek Ascendancy. Uh, it's kind of a bigger box here. And this is a new game from Gale Force 9. It's just hitting now. And to kind of sum this one up, it's kind of a 4X civilization style Star Trek game. So what players are going to be doing is controlling one of three possible races or factions. So you can control the Federation, uh, the Romulans, or the Klingons. And you're exploring space, uh, trading, having different events and different encounters, kind of similar to uh, the television show, uh, doing combat with other players, uh, going out like on science missions, creating fleets. And it's a very sort of unique streamlined twist on a 4X style game. Now this box only supports three players, but you can get expansions, I believe right about now or very, very soon to add a fourth and then a fifth, and then maybe even more players. I think the Ferengi and the Cardassians uh, are the two upcoming expansions, if they aren't already out, uh, that you can add to this, and that will add a fourth and a fifth player. Uh, so let's break this out and take a look at it, and I'll tell you what I think of it. Okay, <laughs> so here's space. Now this does not come with the game. So you can see Gale Force 9 has a game mat here uh, that you can get. Now this is a three by three square mat and this is the playing surface that you'll be playing on uh, in the game so even if you don't have this mat you still want to kind of square off a three by three area which is very interesting because i don't know a forex game that i've played that actually uses measurement and what you're going to do is you're going to measure uh, from the edges and also they need to be 18 inches from each other uh, but the mat itself here comes with these different nebulas, uh, different colored things, so you can see exactly where to put the planets. Now, this does support up to four players, at least. I'm not sure how it works with five if you get, you know, and you need a larger playing service or not. But all we have to deal with now is a three-player space. So players will place their home world in the designated location there, and you're going to get a couple of things. Now, you can see you're going to get a little sort of city there, and this is going to be entered on the planets, and each of the planets is going to come with uh, different configurations of these nodes. So you can see you've got red for production, yellow for culture, and blue for research. Now all of the starting worlds have one of each, but sometimes you'll have one that will have multiples of a color, sometimes there'll be a wild, you can put whatever color you want there, and so on. Sometimes they only have one. Now you're also going to start with three ships. So the Romulans will get their little green cloaking ships there, and you're going to have those on your home world. Now players are also going to get uh, player boards. And you can see here's the Romulan player board and it comes with these little detachable things here. But this is how you're going to track kind of your overall shields and firepower, your weapons for your entire fleet uh, and for all of your bases and so on. And then you're also going to have two special abilities here. And so each of the different factions is going to have a different board. They're going to have the same sort of weapons and shields load up, but they're also going to have the two different special abilities. Now each player, in addition to what they start with on the starting planet, is going to have one ascendancy. And so you can play the game either to four or five ascendancy. A five is like kind of a full game. Once somebody achieves that fifth ascendancy, then they're going to be the winner. But you do start with one. And then if we look here at the Federation, you can see in addition to the ascendancy, you start with five command tokens. Every player will start with this. And then every player will also start with three of the different resources. And you can see you've got production, culture, and research. Well, that sounds familiar, right? Because we have production, culture, and research nodes on these different planets there. So normally, you will start off generating one 
of these different resource tokens for each node that you have of that color. But to start the game off, you just get three to start. And players will also start off with one advancement. So you can see we've got a starting advancement. Every player will take and put that underneath their player board. And then you'll have a deck of these shuffled up here, the Federation advancements. The technology is pretty different from each of the different uh, civilizations. Here we've got the Romulan, so you can see they start with a Romulan cloaking device, and then they'll have their deck shuffled up off to the side. And so you'll start with each of the different advancements, as well as each player will get a hand of these trade agreements. So you can see we've got uh, Klingon trade agreements, Federation, and Romulan. And what, I'll explain what these are in a minute, but each player will start with a set of these. And then of course you get a whole bunch of plastic and stuff, which I'll talk about uh, in a minute. So again, you're trying to play to be the first one to get five ascendancy. So you've, you've risen out of your sort of loneliness out here in the galaxy, and you've spread out and explored some planets, which we'll show here in a second, and your civilization is the best. So the game takes place over three stages. You've got the initiative, the execution, and the recharge. The initiative is where you're gonna determine turn order. The execution is where the meat of your turn is. You're going to take all your different actions. Everybody's going to do their whole turn. And then you have some kind of cleanup and stuff and check for victory. So how does the initiative phase work? Well, at the start of the game, it's very simple. You can, if you want, the rules do suggest this actually playing simultaneously, maybe your first turn or maybe your first two turns even. But if nobody has made contact with each other, so we're not adjacent, we haven't linked up or anything, then you take turn order cards equal to the number of players. Now there's 10 in here, so maybe one day we can play 10 player Star Trek. But uh, for now you just do three, and then you shuffle them up and deal them out, and then you take your turns in whatever order is outlined. So that's very simple. But let's say we'd actually connected. So you can see over here, we've got these connector tokens and different planets. You're gonna start building these out. If you're ever sort of connected, you can draw a straight line through some different connections to somebody else, then you, and any other players that happen to be connected to anybody are gonna to have to bid. So let's say, for example, this was the previous turn order and we'd actually all three connected. This is just one example. And so the first player, whoever was first the last turn will have to bid an X a number of resources. Now you could bid zero if you want, but they'll take and bid any combination of culture and production and research or whatever. Maybe they wanted to throw all three research on there. And then the second player will bid and the third player will bid. Now you can again bid zero, but you can never bid exactly the same amount as anybody else. You've got to bid more or less. Now the player who bids the most gets to choose one of the other turn order cards. So maybe they could choose to go last or they could choose to go second or something. And then whoever bid the second most would get the second choice. And let's say uh, the first player here, he really wanted to keep first player. He bids the three research tokens, these get spent and these other two folks here didn't bid anything. Well, anybody that bids zero is going to shuffle up their turn order cards and then get them randomly, but at least uh, Earth knows he's going first. So that's the initiative phase. So after we've determined turn order, then we're gonna go into each player's action phase. So each player gets one of these player aids, and what you're simply going to do is you're going to build a whole bunch of stuff. Once you're done building, flip the card over, and then take five or sometimes more actions. So first thing you're gonna do is you can build. So you can build all kinds of cool stuff. You can build a starship. It's gonna cost you one production. You can build that at your home base, Romulus, or where you have a star base. Each player has these star base tokens that we can put out. I'll talk about that in a minute. 
and so you can if you have a planet with a star base you can build a ship there or of course you can build it in in your home world up there and you simply pay the production put the ship out very simple now the next thing to do is to actually build on these open sites so you can build a new production node a new research node a new culture node so you can see the cost there's two production or in this case two research and a production or in this case two culture and a production so we haven't talked about exploring yet but let's look at a planet so let's look at sigma Tama four so you can see this has two spots for nodes and it could be a culture and a production node so if you own this planet and then you decided you wanted to build a production node you could stick that on there and pay that cost very very simple now of course you need to control it so you need to have one of your little cities on there but we'll get to that in a minute so that's simply what you want to do is build that now if you want to build or colonize a sector so you maybe you don't quite have this and you have one of your ships on this planet here so let's say the Federation here has a starship on this planet then they can take and discard that starship plus pay a culture so culture plus starship and they can then colonize that sector now the other thing that you can do is you can commit research and also upgrade weapons and shields so let's talk about that so here we can see the Romulus weapons and shields and you can see here what this means so this it means when you roll to attack you're hitting on a five plus not very good odds if you want to increase that down to I don't know a one plus <laughs> you have to spend a ton of research but you could do that so you basically would always hit relatively uh, but to do that you need to spend research so to go from a five plus to the greater one is you could spend four research and you just spend the tokens and then move up so I can do that during my build phase on the other hand, I can also increase my shields. So right now I have zero shields, which means I'm very defenseless. And I can spend six research to move up, and now I have one shield. What does that actually mean? Now we'll get to a more in-depth combat example in a minute. But let's say I'm attacking with four plus, and you have a shield of one, kind of like in this example. So I'm going to roll a die for every ship. Now these are not the dice that come in the game. My game came with no dice, but it's not the end of the world. I've got tons of dice. So these dice are not representative of what you'll get. So let's say I had three ships attacking you. And so I'm gonna roll, I'm gonna get hit on a four plus, but you've got one shield. So it's four plus your shields, so four plus one. So I'm really only hitting on a five. So I'll roll that, boom, we got two hits. So that's simply what it is. Now these numbers will also come into play uh, when you are trying to invade a planet and so on. But again, during the build phase, you can increase those. Now the other thing you can do is you can advance a technology so here we have some federation technologies now at the start of the game you just have this one up it's available it's active you can use it you don't have to advance it now during the course of the game later on you can get some more of these in front of you and you can see this is the amount of research required to actually unlock it completely and then make use of it so once per building phase you can put a research on top of any of these that you're currently sort of researching so i might have these two face up off to the side and i could put a research on each of these so only one per card and then as soon as you have enough so in this case three or four then they trigger and now i can use them so again you can do all the stuff on the building phase card plus bump up your shields and, and guns and also research so once you're done doing all the stuff you want to do in the building phase and you can do multiples in any order you want you're going to flip this card over and declare you're going into the command phase there's no going back you can't go back now and build something else <laughs> 
And then so you're in the command phase and then you're gonna have these little command tokens here. So you can see this has got a command and you flip it over to exhausted. You're gonna start the game with five of these and then there are ways to get more. One of the ways you can do it is by building a star base. It will give you a new command token. Anytime you get a command token during your turn through something like that, it's gonna come in exhausted. You won't get it until the next turn. But I can do that and I can, once I spend all five of my commands, then that's the end of my turn. The next player will go to their building phase and then will build and then do commands. So let's look at the commands. Now the first thing you might do is move a ship. So you can do impulse speed, you can see that there, or warp speed. Okay, you can see we're here on the Klingon homeworld. And let's say we wanted to move at impulse speed. We'll show you that first and then we'll show warp. Well, the first thing you're gonna do is just kind of move off the planet. You can see each of these planets has a little explore number there. So this one has a four, uh, this one here has a two, and that's the number of sort of connections that can be made back to uh, this planet. So when I move off and I'm gonna try to create a new connection, I'm gonna explore a new area. I can do that as long as I haven't reached the maximum number of connections. When I do that, I'm gonna roll, this is not the right die, but it's basically a D3 plus one. So a D3 is a D6 divided by two, and then you add one. And so in this case, that was a six. So that would be six divided by two is three plus one. <laughs> so the dice that comes to the game is not confusing like that, I apologize. But this would basically be like rolling a four. And so what that means is I'm gonna grab a segment that is four sectors long. There are sectors that are two and three sectors long. And that's all you're rolling for. You're just rolling to see how long that connection is gonna be. So in this case, I rolled a four. And since I was moving at impulse speed, impulse speed is always two. So I would go one, two, and then I would be on my way to exploring some new planet to pillage and kill, because I'm the Klingons. But, and then if I wanted to move again, I could just go one, two, like that. And then maybe for a third action, I could move and move off here. Then I would figure out what I'm actually going to encounter. And you are going to seed this deck here of planet tiles, uh, the first six planets, or excuse me, six tiles are going to be planets. There are some non-planet tiles in here, uh, like this uh, McAllister Nebula and so on. Uh, now the reason is that is because for the number of players times two, you're gonna make sure that those first six are going to be worlds that they can kind of exploit. So here, let's say we have this planet here, Ruapente. And so let's say I moved off of here and I drew that one, then this would come out over here and a few things would happen. Uh, once I moved in here, if the planet has a defense number, it means there's some kind of hazard here and I would roll a die for each of my ships that are entering there. In this case, it would just be the one and lo and behold, if this is like last game, oh, it is, it's just like last game. <laughs> anyway, so if you roll this number higher, then that ship's destroyed and that was a waste of time. But uh, if you roll lower than that, then he's safe, okay? Uh, and then, so once you're in there and you've rolled that, then you're going to do an exploration card. Uh, so all of the planets will trigger a draw of this card here. And this is a really cool part of the game. And so you can get a variety of different things. You may have other crises that you need to deal with on top of just kind of the planet's defense number. So usually you will roll and that will be the target number you don't. That would be horrible, menthor booby trap. Um, you might have a discovery, which is just kind of kind of a random event. See Alien Amusement Park. Um, you may have a pre-warp level zero planet. 
uh, which means you'll just put some production tokens on there. And then it's something that you can just more easily colonize. You know, maybe they're kind of like us or even more primitive. And then you might have, you know, a very warp capable planet here, warp level three. And you're actually going to seed and put some nodes immediately out there. So we might have these here like that right out there or something. And then you'll put some of these warp tokens here. And this kind of acts as a reminder of sort of the overall planet's defenses. Uh, if you try to invade them or use uh, hegemony to uh, sort of, you know, suck them into your civilization. And you may also have a virgin world that has nothing on it and you can just take it over because uh, it's empty, but it may have some, you know, valuable resources that are available to you. So you're going to flip that up there and then now you've explored the planet and you can see again now this one already has one node coming off it and it has a value here of two so we can only ever explore one of these now there's a very interesting thing about this game is as you're exploring until something has two nodes connected to it so let's say on a later turn i rolled the two and then i moved out here until this second node is out here i can actually move this around because you don't really know the relative position and distance of these planets because you're sort of these fledgling civilizations so you might think oh that's way out over here but no this is actually this other side of the galaxy and that's in relation to this that's very interesting like that so once you know you've got that you can move these around now once i sort of explore out here bam that's locked. That's not going anywhere. Your home world's also never ever will move. But now that we've done this, I can actually move this around like so. So that's kind of a very, that's a very interesting thing. It's a little bit gamey sometimes because you might be trying to prevent the connection to you. You know, the Romulans are coming in this way and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna explore real quick and find a planet. And then, yeah, you can't get here now. So that's a little bit kind of gamey, but it's very, very interesting until that moment. Now, the other thing to do is when you want to warp as a move. Now let's go back here to our homeworld. So for an action, you can go into warp. So what I'll do is I'll take one warp token and then put a ship on top of it. And now that ship is in warp. And then for another command, if I want it, I can add to its warp value. So it's gonna warp even further. And the other thing to know is at the end of the round, anything that's currently kind of in warp out here, sort of in the vacuum of space, is going to automatically get a warp added to it. Now you can also take an action to exit warp. When you do that, you can jump the number of systems equal to the warp tokens. So if we zoom out here, I added another planet over here. So I could go boom, boom, since that's two systems away, and I can exit that immediately. Now that's very handy because you can bypass other ships. You know, maybe the Federation is coming in here. You don't want to have to do combat or negotiate with them. So you can use the warp to get around them. Maybe this is a very hazardous planet and you're like, yeah, I don't want to mess with that. So you kind of warp around it and so on like that. So that's kind of how uh, the warp works. And you can get other bonuses and things that increase your kind of innate warp capability, just like you can the impulses. But that's movement. That's a big part of the game. Now, the next thing you might do is hegemony here. And this is attempt to culturally take control of a developed system that you occupy. So if we go back over here, and remember when I showed you a kind of a level two warp capable system, you're gonna put these here uh, as, a, as, a, as a marker to remind you of that. And you're gonna be rolling against basically all of the markers that are here. So one, two, three, four. So these are the nodes that were there placed by the explore card plus this. So you've gotta to try to beat four. And what you're going to do is you must have two culture at the ready. You only have to spend one to start. When you spend one, you make the roll. 
That was a very good roll. You're going to take this number that you rolled and add the number of ascendancy tokens that you currently have to that roll. And if the number's higher than this sort of defensive value, in this case four, then you're going to be able to take it over. Now you do have to spend a second culture to sort of commit that. But if you roll and fail, you're only ever going to lose the one culture. So that's kind of nice. And then you'll take your little marker here and boom, that's yours. And they now agree to be part of your world. Now let's say this was gone and the Federation's like, yeah, why don't you be a part of our world? In this case, you're not counting these defensive tokens, you're counting the number of ascendancy that the Klingons had, and you're gonna add that to the number of nodes. So if the Klingons only had one ascendancy, they'd have one, two, three, four for this node here, the city, so they'd have a target value of four as well. And then the Federation again would then add their ascendancy tokens and then make a roll. So And the defending player, if it's, a, if it's actually another player, may have a star base too that will also add to that defensive value. The next thing you might do, instead of sort of friendly negotiations, you might have a space battle. So that's going to work in a couple of different ways. So let's say we had a couple of Klingons there, and then let's just throw out three of these Federation do-gooders there. And so what you're going to do when you want to have a space battle is you will attack an adjacent sector. So each of these little squares is a sector. So I can go from this sector into there. Now, if I wanted to, I can also attack from multiple adjacent. So if we kind of surround the planet, it's one action to get everybody to attack that. And then both sides are going to roll dice for the number of ships that they have. So in this case, the Federation will roll four, and the Klingons here will roll two, because we're attacking just the ships now, not the homeworld just yet. And then again, you're going to compare the number of hits here. So the Klingons here haven't advanced anything, so they're rolling on five pluses, and they have no shields, whereas maybe the Federation here they spent some time beefing that up, so maybe they're rolling on three pluses and they have a shield. So the Klingons have to add one to whatever their target number is, and you roll, and then the effects are simultaneous. You can keep fighting. Uh, the defender gets a chance to retreat if they can, and then the attacker can also retreat. Now, if uh, there is a star base in that particular section, the defending player actually gets to roll another die when you're doing this ship-to-ship -ship combat. So let's say the Federation player got very lucky, they destroyed these two, and maybe they had one of theirs destroyed, then they could take another action to actually try to invade here now the planet. You should be in the planet when you want to invade it. And this is actually more similar to hegemony than a combat. It's kind of a combination of both. Now the star base is not going to participate in this case, and what's gonna happen is the Federation here is gonna roll three dice, one for each ship, and then the planet, the Klingon, is gonna roll three dice also, one for each node in this case. And it's the same target hit and shield number, even if you're attacking a planet, as it puts on here. And what's gonna happen is, the Federation are gonna have their ships destroyed as normal based on the Klingon's roll. The Federation, what they're trying to do is roll hits greater than the number of nodes here. So they want more than three hits. If they do that, then it's a very clean takeover. Even if they get all their ships wiped out, if they roll more hits than there are nodes, they can swap that out and then this will now become their world very easily. It's a very overwhelming invasion. If they roll equal to the number of nodes, this is what they do not want to do, then all of these are blown up. All of the nodes are gone. Very horrible because maybe the reason you want to take off the over the planet is now pointless because the nodes are gone. If you roll less than 
that. So let's say we rolled only two hits. Then he will destroy all the nodes up to uh, this one here, the actual one that's owned by the player. That one will be the last one, of course, to go. So you destroy all the production and research nodes there, which again, will kind of make a mess of things. So that's the, how do you invade a planet. Skip the next one here, which is launching new projects, and then talk about quickly star bases and fleets. So let's get the Federation out of here, and we'll put some more Klingon vessels here. And so in this case, you can put out a star base onto a place that you control. There is no actual cost, but you can see each player comes with three star bases sort of in their color, but once you build them, anybody can take them over. Because in the previous example, if the Federation took that over, the star base would have been theirs, even if it was built by the Klingon. Now the sort of requirement here goes up, because you got one, three, and two ascendancy. So the first star base you put out, you need to have one ascendancy for. So if I put that out, everybody has one ascendancy to start the game, bam, I can do that. Now, remember, you can build ships here. You, know, you, you start off only able to build them on your home world, now you can build them at the starbase. And when you build a starbase, again, remember you get an extra command on your turn. The other thing that you can do now at a starbase and also at your home world is form a fleet. And so you need at least three ships to do that. You take these off and then you're going to put out this fleet marker here. So we can see a couple examples here of fleet markers. We can see this one says Let's see, focus, fleet three. This one says fleet one, so maybe I'll put the fleet one out here. Then you're gonna take these ships here and put them on the fleet card. We can see each of the factions has three fleet cards they can use. And so since I chose fleet one here randomly, I'm gonna go ahead and put these three on the number one card. Now, this fleet here is going to move around as a larger unit. So you can immediately see, you can spend one action to move the entire fleet or warp the entire fleet. You're not moving your ships around onesie twosie. So that is immediately an advantage right there. And the fleet will get a special ability. So since I chose the one card, you can see this one says take one production for each rival ship destroyed by this fleet. So this fleet can go around and take bogeys out of the sky and then generate more production. Now the cards are also double-sided as well. So this one is just a normal battle group. You reroll to hit rolls of one in space battles, or you can flip it over and you can get an extra large, supermassive Klingon fleet. So you can choose you know, how, what characters you want in your fleet. Now you take hits the same. You roll the dice for the number of ships in the fleet kind of individually, but as you apply damage, the attacker, the person applying the damage actually, gets to tell you which ships you destroy. So you're always gonna pick somebody's fleet card. As soon as they're below three fleets, or excuse me, three ships in a fleet. That fleet is disbanded, and then you're gonna put the ships back here uh, you know, on the board, and then the, ship the fleet marker will go away. Again, you can make fleets there at uh, star bases and at uh, uh, your home world. Now, the one thing that's in the FAQ, and I would recommend getting the FAQ, the rulebook's not that bad, but there's a couple of clarifications. One is that you can add ships to a fleet and it doesn't take an action or you don't have to be a star base or anything like that. So that's very important to know. As you're kind of moving your sh fleet around, you can kind of add new ships. And you can't do that mid-movement. You know, you have to stop and then, you know, take an action or pause at the end of your movement to add more ships and then take another action to keep moving. Next thing here is to launch projects. And when you do that, you simply draw two cards off the top of your whatever faction advancement deck. You're gonna take a look at them. 
read them, put one under the bottom of the deck, and then the other one sort of off to the side. And then again, you can start developing this uh, in later build phases. And some of these you can see have little icons. This one will add one to all of your warps. Uh, the Rhymelands have some different uh, special things that will allow them to get culture and so on. And these are really a, you know, a huge part of the game is kind of learning and knowing what your particular faction is good at. Uh, because your special abilities from all the different factions are going to be very thematic and appropriate to uh, what all of the different races do in the television show and in the movies. So after everybody's taken all their turns, you're going to go through and do production. So again, any uh, resource nodes that you have, you're going to get production for. I didn't talk about these nebula here. Sometimes you have these scientific uh, nebula things. You can see these have research tokens on them. These you don't actually ever draw explore cards for but you can see they're kind of hazardous, but these are gonna generate a new research token if there's not already one on there that you can go in and then try to you know, navigate the nebula to grab some more extra cool science and stuff like that. So if these are empty, they'll get a new research. Anybody that's in warp uh, will have a warp added to them. The last thing I haven't talked about are these trade agreements. Now, whenever you make contact or you, know, you link up with another civilization, you can at that point uh, make a trade agreement. Now, if somebody wants to kind of fly through where you have a ship, you can say, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. No big deal. Or you can be like a Klingon and say, no, pound sand. And they can't do that. So they can't fly there. And then you, then you have to have combat. But you can also make these trade agreements. So if I'm the Klingons, I'm going to say, you know what? Now that I'm linked up with you, Trade Federation, I'm going to give you this because I hate the Romulans. So on your turn, you're now going to generate three production. The Trade Federation might say, you know what, that's fine. I don't really trust you that much, so I'm gonna give you my two production trade agreements. So at this point in the end of the round, when you're producing resources for all these nodes, you're also going to produce production from anybody else that has given you a trade agreement like that. Now, as soon as somebody attacks you, boom, you lose the trade agreement for that round. You could get it back if you wanted, um, but once in the, an attack has been made, then the trade agreement obviously goes away. That's about it. I probably missed a thing or two here or there. What do I think of the game? Uh, I think it's great. I think it needs more than three players is kind of the thing. Um, it's a 4X game and it's a very much a streamlined, you know, elegant 4X game that really kind of strips out a lot of the fluff uh, of, you know, a lot of the fiddliness. And so uh, it's going to be very easy to process all of the information that's happening on the board. You look at the nodes, you look at, you know, where everything's kind of spaced out, you know, the technologies that you get are very, you know, easy to interpret and go with. Now that does leave a lot of the game up to the player agency. And so I think that the dynamics of that is going to be uh, very, very important, uh, you know, in terms of like how the different systems are growing and the amount of space and the, the resource nodes that you get available to you, uh, what kind of encounters you might have, all that stuff's going to be very, very organic and natural and very cool. And I like, it's kind of, kind of leads me into the whole like you know, measured space and it's almost like a miniatures game, you know, measuring 18 inches and, you know, nine inches from the edge and all that stuff or from the corner. And it's very cool how the space itself kind of evolves organically. It feels very exploratory because, you know, you might find a Rur Prende or Cestus three, you know, like, cool, that's a planet next to me. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, how far away is the Romulans really, you know, do you know, Oh, they figured out this pathway to navigate. Now they're at my front door, you know? So 
it just by the nature and the physicality of how you kind of draw this stuff out on the board, it really lends itself to exploration, not just like flopping a tile, uh, you know, like an eclipse or something. So because the distance is not a known quantity, I think that really, really helps. That's a very, very interesting thing. And my friends and I were talking about it. I was like, I wonder if you could do that with like a land-based game. And I was like, wow, I bet you could, you know, because these could be sort of like, you know, mountain passes or something. So that might actually work. It might look kind of weird, but it kind of makes sense here for uh, space travel. Um, now the combat's very simple. I like that. You just kind of roll dice and compare the numbers. So you're just dealing with what you got. Uh, the Romans do have some different abilities that they can do to manipulate. Uh, the Klingons have that. You know, you have the different fleets that will just change that. So everything kind of naturally kind of stacks on each other uh, in terms of adding, you know, kind of the chrome and the little crust to all the rules and the mechanics and everything. Um, now the other thing to mention is I do think the gaminess of placing down the planets and the connections, which I talked about a little bit in the walkthrough, is a little bit interesting. I don't know that it's that big of a deal. I think it might rub some people the wrong way, but I don't know that it's that huge of an issue because once you kind of see it play out and the gaminess of that happening, you're like, okay, if he adds another connection there, then, you know, that's going to lock me out. So that the fact that it exists, yes, it's gamey, but it actually forces you to be a little bit more aggressive and not turtle as much because if you sit there and turtle and you let somebody kind of close off a system and then kind of go after a certain thing in a certain other direction then you're letting them you know walk away with the game so it forces you to make that contact so i think on first impression of like well, that's kind of gamey but like no 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 it forces you to make contact which is a a smart design design decision in terms of this kind of style of game so i think that's very very, very key. And it's something I think that I've seen people complain about, but I, well, not vehemently, but I disagree with it. It's kind of vehemently. Um, okay, so let's talk about some other parts. The exploration deck. This is really cool. Very Star Trek-y. Uh, some of these are like just pure episodes of the show, of Next Generation, of the original show. There's cool, you know, there's kind of comedy in here. There's a variety of different things in terms of what you're going to encounter. And I like that it adds beyond just like oh i found this and now i have ore and wood or production and da 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 to do oh i have a little encounter you know along with the planet that i i've discovered so a lot of the forex games that i've played you know simply is like oh, okay now i have ore and or i now i have an alien technology that i've gotten and this is how it's going to affect me mechanically and to win but these are a nice good spice on top of that and it's going to and it adds kind of to the variability of the game because not only is the planets random these are random on top of that so that can go both ways you know you can run into uh you know a whole bunch of hostile stuff all around you and it's just kind of nutty but that's kind of neat i mean that's part of the theme of these games for me is is running into they have these different encounters with these different races and these civilizations and stuff um the turn order bidding is pretty you know nondescript it's just kind of it is what it is. It's kind of nice because you can play the first couple of rounds, uh, you know, simultaneously if you really want to. Uh, I, I don't think there's any problem with that. I have not tried it, but I definitely probably would once everybody at the tables played it once. I think you need to be in a situation where everybody's played it because it's going to be helpful for folks to sort of navigate, uh, you know, all the options on their turn. Uh, there is a little bit of AP that's going to happen because, well, like I said, you do all your building, 
then you do all your commands. So if you're last in turn order, and I could see this man with like, if you got like five or maybe one day six or seven players or something crazy, then, you know, if you were fifth, that would take a while. <laughs> so I would not really want to play this game five players once the expansions hit until everybody else had played the game once or twice because it's just, you know, it's like any game. It's not super complex. It's just you need to kind of learn and figure out the order and the timing of things. And so going fifth, you're going to have to wait for four other people to do that. And then your turn's going to go really, really fast, <laughs> especially at the beginning of the game. So I think that might be a, the bigger off-putter uh, to me is having the whole turn. Because a lot of these other games, especially 4X games, it's like action, you do an action, Billy does an action, Francesca does an action, Danny Boy does an action, so on. Action, 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 action. This is like you build a bunch of stuff, you do action 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you know. So it's a lot of stuff and it's a lot to, you know, juggle. I wouldn't say there's a lot of AP, it's just a lot going on on a turn. Um, so that is going, I think that's going to be a red flag for some folks. I don't know that the game would necessarily break. It would be different if you had everybody do a build and a build and you just kind of passed after you were done building and let everybody build and everybody did an action, an action, an action. I don't know that the game would break. It would mess with the initiative for sure in terms of battles and things. Um, but I don't know that it would actually be wrong. I could, it could be something I'm missing, but I don't know that you couldn't play it that way. Um, I don't know that I care to because this is the way it's been designed, but I would be curious if somebody actually did try and play it that way and uh, what their, um, you know, how it would work for them. Because I think it would actually work just fine. It might be, you know, not quite as much time between turns, obviously. Uh, what else? I think the game is actually very thematic. I've had a couple of people tell me it's not like Star Trek at all. And I've also seen some people say it's like Star Trek in a box. Now, I have not played Star Trek Fleet from WizKids, um, so I can't compare it to that. And from what I have read and seen, Star Trek Fleet Captains really is Star Trek in a box. Um, I believe in that game you control like a crew and you're, you're moving around. This one you're controlling an entire civilization. Now, I like that. I, you know, I'm a 4X civilization sucker. I'm a sucker for those kinds of games. I like this whole idea of fledgling space-faring society, and you're making that kind of first contact. That's really cool thematically, and you're really sort of, you know, tippy-toeing out into the cosmos and developing your technologies, and you know, you start building better and cooler fleets and get all the different advancements that you can get. I think that really fits well, and so it very much feels like that kind of early Star Trek, you know, maybe some sort of the the first TV show or, you know, kind of the older, some of the movies where they would go back in time and I'm trying to think of First Contact or something, it was a movie they were just getting out into warp speed. And it kind of feels like all the civilizations are doing that. So you kind of feel like you're playing Star Trek history. And I think that that very much does come across. Uh, the different technologies that you can get, the different special abilities that each player starts with two different ones, those are very thematic. Uh, you know, this the Federation doesn't, doesn't just go and like colonize and beat the crap out of people. They're very much about their their code and uh, you know being very sensitive to all of the other planets and things like that. And the Klingons are very aggressive and everything supports that. 
and the Romulans are very sneaky and sometimes there's some different drawbacks based on some of those different special abilities. And so you, then you've got that whole sort of core and then you add on top of this cool kind of exploration deck which is a lot of stuff that's happened on the TV show and everything and it really does kind of gel together. I don't know that I would say Star Trek in a box but it's pretty close to that. Uh, I definitely don't think it's not like Star Trek at all. I think that's, that's wrong actually. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would recommend this game, but I really think it needs to have the fourth and fifth player. And now it, it, the box says you're running about 45 minutes to an hour per player, and I think that's fine. You know, you're playing a 4X game, you're sitting down for a long evening or maybe a day kind of thing. And I, I think that's kind of what should be expected of this kind of game. But I think with three players, it's, if you just got the base box, I think it's going to wear itself out pretty thin um, because it just there's just not enough going on with only two other opponents. And you can get into a situation where if one other player isn't kind of pulling their weight or is running into a lot of bad luck or something, then you can kind of the game is not really going to be have enough mitigating factors. Uh, to keep somebody from necessarily running away because there's a fair bit of luck in terms of the exploration and rolling dice for combat. But I think with more players, you know, you might have one player that has a bad game or something, but there's going to be enough going on that most of the players are going to be interested and competitive throughout the game. Uh, so I think it really, really needs a fourth and fifth player. But I haven't tried playing it because, you know, there's not four or five players in the box. So I'm certainly holding on to it and certainly will be uh, picking up and checking out the expansions once they hit. And I'm very excited to play, um, you know, those other civilizations. Although the Cardassians and Frankie, like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a big Trekkie, so, like, I think those... The civilizations are kind of dumb, <laughs> but I don't really know anything about them other than they're kind of like annoying looking anyway, but uh, I still want to try them out from a game perspective because I'm very curious how this plays with five. Frankly, I really want to play it with a full boat of five um, and just because then you can get that extra level of kind of diplomacy. The trade agreements should make a lot more impact in the game instead of just like kind of free production, you know, and stuff like that. So I think it really wants that extra those extra player counts. But as it is with the three player, it was fun. I thought it was like Star Trek. Uh, it, it fits a niche in a way of a streamlined sort of intro 4X game. I don't know that this game would replace, uh, you know, Eclipse or Clash of Cultures or Twilight Imperium, certainly, or any of these other kind of 4X games for anybody that really is into that kind of game. I don't think it's going to replace those, uh, you know, maybe with four and five players. Because it, it it removes a lot of that complexity, and I think it does a good job. I think it was I think it what they did works. I think removing the complexity works. Um, I think there's still enough there to engage these four X folks. If you're just coming at this as you know, I don't really care about Star Trek or whatever, just the four X. There's still enough there to chew on, but I don't think you're still gonna kind of miss that other stuff, you know. Um, but I think it's excellent because I think if you're, on the other hand, if you're coming into it as somebody that's new to 4Xs, you don't want to mess with 4Xs, you know, it's such a long game. If you have any inkling towards Star Trek at all, then I think this is going to be a good pickup. Maybe even at three players because it's not going to take as long as with four or five players. But the game is solid, the system's good, the combat, everything is very streamlined. If you can deal with a little bit of luck, you know, all 4X games really have it. Um, 
but you can, it gets you in there and it's the, the actions and everything you can do make sense and it's very streamlined and discreet and all that kind of good stuff. So I think it's a very good intro for X game as well, especially if you have the Star Trek hook. Okay, enough talking, but thanks. Definitely take a look at it, thanks.